Welcome to the Chocolate Cake Bites podcast. This is a podcast where we will discuss the sweet nuggets of goodness that come from living the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Ken Williams. The opinions, attitudes, thoughts, and ideas that we discuss are those of the hosts and guests and are not necessarily a reflection of the actual doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's conversation. And conversation it is with favorite, favorite co-host. I did two favorites that time just for you, Annette. Oh, <laughs> favorite co-host, Annette. One of my favorite things about speaking of favorites, I'll just say favorite a lot of times. Um, <laughs> we need to get some applause noise for you. I need to do that. This is the only noise that I have. No, that's not as funny. <laughs> okay, it might be funny, but it's get, funny. I'll work on getting some applause. I probably have applause um, on one of these buttons. I just don't know. Hmm. We'll work on that. Um. Okay, favorites. One <laughs> so of your favorites. things about favorites? One of my favorite things about talking to you is that we set up a time and we're going to start talking about something that we're going to record as a podcast. And we just have a conversation for 45 minutes before we start recording. And all of a sudden, <laughs> we have this great conversation that I end up having to say, okay, stop. We're going to record this because I like where this is going. <laughs> and so... This is why you're the favorite. Oh, favorite co-host, favorite sister, favorite. Right okay, let's count. Let's count how many times you've been on the podcast compared to oh, second favorite, Mark, oh, whatever our second favorite would be. Allison. Allison's been on a few times, but I think yeah. you beat her out. So we're starting to have a great conversation, and um, we had a lot of great conversations. That we, that we can't share. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> because they will get us in trouble with somebody. <laughs> but uh, as we started talking about, um, you you said a phrase that you heard on another podcast, and the phrase that was, we make hard things God's will. Mm-hmm. And that just is sitting in my brain um, because I'm not sure where to go with that. And then you played, it's from the... What, at last she said it. The, at last she said it podcast, which I've listened to a few of those episodes and they're very good. And it's uh, so hearing a little bit in in context gave me a totally different thought. And so I'm going to just start with some of the thoughts that uh, have been going on in my head. This is something that really started last Sunday in our elders quorum discussion, where the instructor was talking about doubts, and I think. The way that he approached it was, how do we deal with doubts when our kids come up with questions and we don't know the answers? And there were really two thoughts that I had, and we had some discussion about that. But number one, one of the thoughts that I have is that our doubts, first of all, the word doubt is scary. And when we have, when we talk about doubts, and I'm putting that in air quotes, um, it just seems very threatening. And so if, if one of my kids, for example, came up to me and said, dad, I have doubts about whatever it is. Um, I think my instinct would be to put up, um, some protective barriers that I don't want to hear this. I don't want to listen to it. Um, because I'm not sure I want to open myself up to, um, your doubts and how that might affect my faith or my belief system or whatever. And so one of the things that I, I threw out was what if we use the word question 
uh, instead of the word doubt. I think the question is, first of all, the, the, the church is, was established because of questions. And I think questions are a little bit less threatening. And I think that questions are valuable. Um, if we don't have questions, then I think maybe we're not thinking enough or we're not thinking deeply enough about some of the things that, that we're studying. And, and it doesn't have to be um, questions about the veracity. There's my college word for today of uh, what we're studying, learning, hearing, preaching, believing. I think it'd be questions about um, what is it? What is the doctrine mean to us or how is it? How is it? So how are we supposed to apply it? Um, so I've done a lot of talking. What thoughts do you have at least at this early stage in our, what will become a fascinating conversation, I'm sure. Um, yes, it will. <laughs> it's interesting when you said um, what, where you would kind of go if somebody, if one of your kids or somebody asked you that about, you know, I have doubts or I have questions mm -hmm. because I've had, um, youth that I've worked with and my callings or sometimes even my own kids have said those things to me. And, and I didn't, I was more like, tell me about that. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I thought was really interesting was the way they said, you know, like, Hey, you know, sister Dolan or mommy, I've got some questions or I have some doubts, not like I'm going to leave the church. Right. And I thought, I thought it was more interesting that they felt like they had to put that disclaimer in yeah. to make me feel better using air quotes right. um when like honestly it, it didn't cause any sort of panic or response but i wonder if that's because i am a, a challenger i'm a questioner mm -hmm. so i'm always and i have been you know as long as i can remember constantly as questioning long as, I can remember too. <laughs> as long as forever yeah so and so maybe maybe because it's not it's where I go to all the time with questions 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 and doubts um it, it doesn't bother me or cause any concern it was like great let's talk about it mm -hmm. you know where what are things maybe it's something I've thought of maybe it's not something but I thought it was interesting that they felt like they had to disclaimer yeah. like I would be worried because they had a doubt or a question that it it was hinging on their testimony right so do you, do you, so you don't feel that, that charged, um, feeling with the word doubt? I don't. Okay. So maybe and I don't remember if weird. I did before at any other point, but I don't now at all. Okay. So do you think that there's a cultural thing about suppressing doubts or suppressing questions? Yes. Okay. So, so what do we do about that? Um, Well, let me, I, let me change my question know. before you, before you answer that. Okay. Is there, is there a different cultural thing about suppressing doubts than there is about suppressing questions or is it the same thing? I think in a lot of people's minds, it's probably the same thing. Um, the thing I hear most from adults who are worried if their own children or youth that they're working with and their callings are having doubts mm -hmm. or voicing concerns, maybe that's not in line with mainstream um, Christianity is President Uchtdorf. I think it was President Uchtdorf's talk or Elder Uchtdorf's talk. So I think he was president at the time mm -hmm. um, of Doubt Your Doubts. Right. 
And, and I don't think that's what he meant, that we shouldn't have doubts or we should push them away if we have them. I right. think it's our human to have questions sure. or concerns or doubts about something. I also really strongly believe that it is absolutely possible to have lots of questions and doubts, but mm-hmm. still have a testimony. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe that having a testimony is the absence of doubt or question. I agree with that. But I've said that to, to adults a lot of times in their kids are usually their minds blown. They're uh-huh. like, wait, what? And adults are kind of like, no, you're supposed to doubt your doubts. Right. So I had a long conversation with somebody uh, recently about, about that, about should we allow questions? Should we allow our kids to have questions and, and things like that? And there, there are some obviously different opinions. But uh, Allison came to me one day, and I don't know that I'll remember the context. She'll, if she listens to this, she'll tell me that I was wrong, which is fine, and then she can come on and correct it. But um, we started our, our Sunday dinner tradition is um, typically we'll get together with whoever's around. It's going to be um, it, not quite as frequently with Allison and Justin now because they've moved away. Um, oh, thank goodness. No. <laughs> <laughs> They um, and we'll talk about something that came up in Sunday school or priesthood relief study. We'll talk about something that came up in the Come Follow Me lesson or whatever for the previous week's reading, and we'll just we'll kind of pick it apart. And it'll be something like, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching uh, in Elders Corman. I brought up the, and it was it was the week in Come Follow Me where the story of the, I think it was that week where the story of the, the paralytic who was lowered from the roof um, into the the house where Christ was teaching. And um, I had heard a story in a different podcast that um, came to mind when I read that. And then also I'd been watching the chosen and the chosen had a depiction of that. And I love the idea of watching the chosen and seeing how real the the scenarios were. It's not just a story. It's not just a one or two sentence uh, excerpt from the scriptures, but it's it's depicted as a real event. and And I love that. And um, so we just will, and our Sunday dinners, we'll talk about that. What would it have been like to be one of the four people? that was carrying this man to the rooftop and what would make them decide to go to the rooftop and start dismantling the roof to lower him in his bed down to where the savior was teaching. What would it have been like to be in the house? And all of a sudden you have this thatch and dirt starting, started falling down. And as Christ is teaching, he is um, interrupted. And what would his reaction be? And what would your reaction be if you were in the house and you're listening, you're fascinated by the the teaching of this master teacher and how would you feel if you were the man? And just, we'll, we'll pick apart that. Well, Allison some time ago was saying, because we have these conversations on a very regular basis and we document them on the podcast many times, <laughs> but um, she was asking the question because we have friends and family who are not open to having discussions like this. And, and it's not just the, the curious type discussions, but when we get into to more um, significant, more 
maybe introspective, maybe more um, significant questions. Uh, we've noticed that sometimes as we've asked some of those questions, conversations shut down. People don't want to talk about what does it mean when, whatever, whatever the situation might might be. And she said, Dad, what makes us different that we're open to having these conversations? And I think the fact that we have these conversations and going back to what we were talking about in my elders quorum, um, I think that there's value in me asking questions of my kids and not a lot of the questions that I ask, I'm not asking because I'm trying to test them on their knowledge. I'm trying to explore my knowledge. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. understand what I believe. I'm trying to understand. I, and I don't remember if I've said this on the podcast before, but we have this, this idea in the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, we have this, this idea, this um, thought that we have the fullness of the gospel and I think the assumption that many of us have, the assumption that I've had in the past, is that that means I have the full gospel. And that has <laughs> become very not true, because something happens, and I don't know answers. And I can't assume that I know everything if I can't figure out the answers to what does an eternal family look like, and what is what happens with... Um, people don't, don't fit the traditional quotes, uh, the traditional model of faith or whatever. And the more things that I explore in my life, the, the less I realize I know. And, um, I think being open to the fact that I'm, I don't know something is what allows us, Allison and Justin and Marcin and I and whoever else wants to be part of that, you and Candace sometimes and Mark occasionally, which I try not to mention his name ever. But <laughs> um, but I think that's where we start to have some of those um, some of those f- interesting conversations. And I think once we get to the edge of what we know doctrinally is when we start to really have an opportunity to be to be instructed by the Spirit. But um, I don't think there's anything wrong. What you're saying is is kind to my like. For a church that is foundational upon asking questions, right. first of all, and also faith, which is the absence of proof, right? Right, Believing in something without any evidence that it might actually be. Mm-hmm. Um, we really struggle with sitting in that discomfort, that uncomfortable place of not knowing. We like to get up and say, I know this and I know that. And and so I hear a lot of times from youth just in general, like, what if you don't know? And I'm like, that's a great question because I don't know all of those things. And so I've started to try and be really careful with my language of like, I hope this is true. I believe this is true. I really want this to be. And, And it's interesting how that has made people uncomfortable at times because you know, and if we tell our kids like, and they're, they're bearing their testimony on fast Sunday and I know this, and I know this. And then what happens when they don't know? Right. And, and that, that, that can be really unsettling and scary to the kid themselves. Like, right. wait, I had to have known this cause I, I said the things and I did the things, but now I don't know. Or now there's a policy that is really hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a whole nother conversation about policy and doctrine and Yeah. Um but 
going back, I think it's important to, when in our conversations, to go back to what actually is faith. Because it's not knowing all the things. Right. And and being okay not knowing things. Right. And I think that we have this, um, I, th- I think it's cultural, that we're supposed to know. And yes. if we don't know, then somehow we've fallen short. And and is there really a place for us? Yeah. Because we don't know. And and I think that's just one of the unfortunate side effects of of this cultural attitude that I see sometimes of with the people that are having questions um don't feel like they belong because they're having questions. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend who she's kind of going through her own um, faith deconstruction and really figuring out what she actually believes mm-hmm. and hopes. And and um, a family member of hers is really struggling with some of the questions that she's asking. Mm-hmm. And she asked them, well, do you, what do you even believe? And it was interesting to have her tell me how uncomfortable it made that person. Yeah. Because I think some of us as members of church, when we go through Fowler's stages of belief, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of get stuck in that box three of okay. everything's just black and white. And until you've had an experience in your life that's challenged that to the point that you have to consider that it's not as black and white. Did mm-hmm. I just tangent? I didn't mean to. I don't know that you changed it. Um, but I think you're I think you're right. And I think that um do you think it's the stage for three black and white? Um, mentality that um, puts people in this, I'm going to call it, um, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but um, we we make ourselves more, um, not really judgmental, but, but we, but we really, put ourselves in, in the place of God. And that's, mm-hmm. maybe that's a bold statement, but, but um, when we have this all or nothing, black and white type of mindset, if you, and I'm, this is, I'm building the runways. I'm trying to land the plane. <laughs> I'm, not <laughs> sure, I'm not sure how this is going to go. We may edit this out. <laughs> but if you, if you are, not comfortable with questions, if you're not comfortable with, with things that make you think differently or that may lead you to think differently about something that you thought you already understood. Um, there's, is there a cultural thing that is, is that where that comes, where that, that idea that, well, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to challenge things. We don't want to discuss something that is that where some of that discomfort comes? Am I making any sense? I th- yeah, I think it could. Um, I think sometimes it could also be we don't want to rock our own boat. Okay, yeah. Right? Because like, I know like we kind of grew up in that generation of you just put it on the shelf, mm-hmm. you know, and, and shelves are breaking, right? And so we don't want our own shelf to topple. Yeah. If if we're still in that putting put on the shelf mentality, where I I used to be that way, and I've started like 
I'm taking all the things off the shelf and mm-hmm. looking at them and and studying them and trying to figure out, is this something that I want to keep? Is this even something that is a thing, right? Because sometimes right. it maybe it might have been a policy that was presented as doctrine mm-hmm. and isn't actually doctrine itself. And maybe that policy has changed. And so it doesn't, it doesn't need to be there anymore because it's a non-issue. Yeah. And then I can go through that process of, that internal process of making the shift of this was not doctrine. Mm-hmm. This was policy. And I don't know if that's parents or leaders or I don't necessarily feel like that's always coming from higher up. I think that's coming from sometimes a place of fear. We're, we're afraid that maybe our kids won't make the same decisions. And mm-hmm. so we tell them the things that we tell them or, you know, our parents, parents, parents were, coming from a place of fear, you know, in the 1800s at that, that time that the church was restored was the period of hellfire and damnation, mm. pulpit pounding, fear-based teaching. Yeah. And I think it's impossible for something that's so ensconced in a culture to not leach into like what they were doing. That, mm-hmm. That's what they knew. Right. And and so I, I wonder if sometimes it comes from that. And I, I feel like a lot of people are are coming out of stage three. They're asking a lot of questions and it, it is uncomfortable for the people who are very comfortable in stage three. Yeah. So I'm thinking about this. Um, um, and I, I'm trying to come up with a good descriptive, descriptive term and God complex is what's coming to mind. I don't know if that really fits, but Going back to the, the thing that you mentioned, that we make hard things God's will. Um, I think sometimes we take what we... Okay, let's just say I'm stage three, which means there is black and white. And I don't know if, if I'm explaining it. Um, there's, there are podcasts that talk about the, the stages of... Fowler stages of faith. And stage two is... Um, Really, it's kind of a fairy tale, if I'm remembering right. Mm-hmm. I think you're it's right. It's very magical. Um, and so early, early um, age is where we're at stage two. Stage three is where we kind of get the idea that um, there's right and wrong, black and right, black and white. There's um, the the right way to do things, the wrong way to do things. And, and it's very letter of the law, rule-based type of. Uh, mm-hmm. idea. So if somebody's in that in that mindset, stage four is where you get into more ethereal. Um, y- you you get comfortable with the discomfort. You get comfortable with the not knowing. You get comfortable with the fact that church policy has this stand and you personally have a different... Um, I think that's, that's leaning more towards five. I think yeah. four is more like a deconstruct when you realize that there is the gray, but it's, it's a little bit, un- it's a lot uncomfortable. But okay. I think I think five is more comfortable in the discomfort of there's a lot of gray. Yeah, I think I, I I'd have to Google it. So. so we'll just yeah we'll just go with that. So <laughs> stage three, if you're in stage three and you see um, your dad suffering and dying, suffering with dementia, for example, let's just use a hypothetical 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 mm-hmm. situation. He's got a uh it's way more common now like oh, because it's very people longer so yeah yeah and um so and then you have a um 
another situation where where somebody doesn't suffer for a long period of time and they and they die. Um, and I'll just the, where the context is is I have a one of my I think she was my freshman seminary teacher passed away what, two weeks ago something like that. Is that one twenty nine? Yeah. And um, so there's a we've we've talked in the past about. Um, We've, uh, I think we've. I don't know if we've said it this way, but but we talk about God's will. This well, it's God's will that that Dad had a stroke. It's God's will that he. Well, um, people have said that, right? Everything happens for a reason. That's and that's the the comment that I I know we've addressed on the podcast before. But but um, I think as I as I'm thinking about this in a different way, that idea that it's God's will that he is living the life that he's living right now. It's God's will that um, he has hung on for four years plus. And um, I think that is um, kind of a, a God complex where we're deciding that this is God's will. That and Because I don't know that it is. Um, I don't understand. This is one of the questions that I don't know that I have an answer to is to understand God's timing, because I think that there are things that, I think there are times that he does intervene, and I think there are times that maybe he doesn't. And um, <laughs> I don't know that I know the difference between when he intervenes and when he doesn't intervene. But I but I, I think the comment that, that you started, or I, maybe I said it, but you brought it up, that we make hard things God's will, um, that's where we decide that, a difficult experience that we're going through. It could be a job loss. It could be the death of a loved one. It could be um, uh, horribly cold temperatures <laughs> that somehow that's God's will. And what right do I have to decide what God's will is? Is it just because whatever happens is God's will? Is it God's will that bad things happen? Is it? <laughs> we're all over the place on this episode. <laughs> well, you know, like, so I've had a lot of, I've thought about this, this whole thing a lot because, um, you know, I had a brain tumor that mm-hmm. I probably had for a lot of years before it made itself known to yeah, how me. How long does, does that grow before it manifests? Um, well, they, they speculate that it was probably five to seven years. Wow. In fact, I had a, I think I had a, a CAT scan for an ear issue mm-hmm. and they th- they thought they could see the shadow, like just a little uh, edge of it when they looked back to x-rays. And that had been like five years before. Okay. But it got gotten big enough to the point that it was like ready to be like, I'm here <laughs> and, and let, let me know about it. But, um, and I was talking with a life coach, not you, sorry. It was before yeah. you were a life coach. <laughs> but uh, I was talking to a life coach and he asked the question, of he was talking about victim mentality mm-hmm. and, and accountability and and what was my role in getting a brain tumor yeah and and i i had to think long and hard and the conclusion i came to was because my body's not perfect yet mm-hmm. i have a i have a mortal body that they fail sometimes yeah. things go wrong cells divide and multiply that shouldn't be you know, under perfect circumstances, dividing and multiplying. And I think that's the answer to a lot of things that go wrong. Why does somebody get 
cancer? Why does somebody have a stroke? Why does somebody, sometimes it's maybe they weren't taking good care of themselves. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's simply that their body has not been perfected. I don't believe that does not resonate with me with how the nature of God of like, I don't think he purposely gave us imperfect bodies so we would suffer. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. I think it's just a nature of our humanness. So let me, let me, experience. let me throw this out. Um, because part of one of the purposes of, of li- purposes of life is to get a body and to learn how to use that body, body. And, and because our bodies are imperfect, um, do you think that the imperfect nature of our bodies, um, was part of God's plan that we would have imperfect bodies that we would have to learn how to, I was going to say control, but I don't think control is the right word. I think we have to learn how to deal with our imperfect bodies because we may have weight issues or we may have heart issues or we may have brain tumors or we may have um, uh, diabetes or blood pressure or the different problems that develop over the course of our lives. And we have to learn how to deal with those. Does Is that part of God's plan? that we would have things that we have to learn to overcome or deal with, not overcome. That's not what I mean, but to manage, to deal with, to accept, to, to um, work with or work around. Or do you think that um, specific weaknesses in our own specific bodies are part of God's specific plan for you? And just to ask the question a second time in case you don't know what I mean. <laughs> no, maybe, I already have an maybe, maybe you already um, answered this question, but uh, is the fact that your imperfect body developed a brain tumor um, part of the God's plan? And that's air quotes. God's plan is you have an imperfect body and you have to, as do I, and we have to learn how to work with these imperfect bodies to um, achieve whatever it is that we're supposed to achieve in this life. Or is it that you and Annette Dalton are, had a brain tumor five years ago, three years, whatever it was, so that you could learn specific, three years ago, <laughs> so you could learn specific lessons that you specifically needed to have uh, in your arsenal of uh, problems that you've overcome? I, I'm going to go out on a very, probably skinny branch, but a bold limb for me and like say it. the first one. I believe that part of the condition of us coming to earth was that we would have bodies that weren't perfected yet and that might not work well and they might right well and and Um, even to be to be specific is that there are elements of your body that work wonderfully well and mm -hmm. other melons other elements that don't and the same is true for me there my hair follicles (laughs) work really well And then there are other people who don't have the same um, gift, um, <laughs> and it's not a it's not anything that I did right. It's not anything that they did wrong if they don't have hair. And um, but I th- I think you're right, and I think we have this range of imperfect elements of our our experience, and it could be parents, it could be children, it could be co-workers, it could be um, people in the ward, <laughs> neighbors, um, that we have to, we just have this variety of imperfection that surrounds us that we have to figure out how to 
how to deal with, yeah. uh, including in ourselves. And and maybe the, there are people with addictions, or there are people with um, cancer, or there are people with whatever the the issue is that this victim mentality um, is something that we need to overcome. I, I yeah, so and I didn't even realize at the time that I was having that victimhood mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and when he asked, like, what is your role in this experience? I was kind of like, what do you mean? I didn't do anything. <laughs> it's not my right? fault. Like, I, I was doing all the things. Right. You probably weren't a smoker. Probably weren't a I'm drinker. Not, yeah. All the risk factors, right? Like some of them I couldn't control. Female, like mm-hmm. I guess you're at higher risk if you're female to have a brain tumor. I don't, hmm. I don't know why. Um, and and so and he, it was really great, you know, just to say like just the fact that that I have a body that has not yet been perfected means that things might go wrong in it. Yeah. Right. Like you might have. You might get cancer. There's a youth in our ward that um, has a recent cancer diagnosis. And, you know, and it's like, that's not something that I've had to struggle with mm-hmm. yet. I don't know. Right. I'm right. still youngish. We've got a family history that uh, yeah. is not uh, probably going to be kind to us. Right. You know, and so I, I think it's just a nature of, I don't believe, I am not in the belief of that we all lined up in that pre-mortal world and like went through and we're like, yeah, I'll take that and I'll take that and I'll do that. I don't think it was like that. I think it was, you're going to be in an imperfect world with imperfect bodies and there's things that might not go right, even though you're doing the things. And I think that's one of the things that like is really hard. It's been for me that if you taught, like if you do the things, Mm -hmm. then you'll get the thing. Right. right. Well, the word and, of wisdom, Doctrine and Covenants yeah. 89 says um, that, well, I should, I should say we assume that what exactly. it says <laughs> is that if you do these things, you will have health and you will have strength and you'll run and not be weary and you'll walk and not faint. And I ran out to get the mail earlier and I was weary. You were, were you <laughs> I weary? like fainting. <laughs> well, it's cold outside. Maybe that has something to do with it. So what if what if we um, think about that sentence, that we make hard things God's will? What if that's true, that hard things are God's will, but it's not a specific hard thing? It's not the fact that dad had a stroke almost five years ago. That's not mm-hmm. the hard thing that we're dealing with that is specifically God's will. But the human condition that brings to us imperfect bodies to ourselves imperfect um personalities imperfect mindsets and approaches and our opportunity is to learn to overcome those and that very generic very general statement is god's will what do you think about that i would agree with that i think it is god's will that we are compassionate with ourselves and with others as we go through this human experience. That's that's what I heard you say. It might not have been exactly the words that you used. Sure. I'm going to say, yeah, that, that's what I said. <laughs> you know, my dad used to say. <laughs> but, but I feel like when we say, 
you know, well, it's, it's God's will that that happened or, mm-hmm. you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, I think those are things that we say to make ourselves feel more comfortable right. in whoever we're talking to's discomfort. Yeah. So how do we, well, I, the question, the way that it originally hit my brain was if we have that mindset that this general life experience with the hard parts and the wonderful parts, that is God's will. How does that change the idea of telling a person, whether it's yourself or somebody else, that a specific challenge is happening for a reason or that it's God's will? I don't I don't like that question because I think that we should never say those words. Well, and they're not helpful. Right? They're not helpful. When, I, when I've gone through some of the challenge, I mean, I've our family's had a really challenging five years, like mm-hmm. my own personal family, and um, those words have never ever been helpful, right? For me, and so I actually try really hard to never ever say them because. We say them when somebody's like, because I think it shifts to that whole mourning with with those that have mourned, yeah. and we turn that in into cheer up people who are sad because their sadness yes. makes us really comfortable. Yeah, and that's not so what I the scripture says. Those, <laughs> it's, it's a bigger mouthful then. Cheer up the people that are that are sad and lonely. But when I was when I was first like, I was in the hospital. It was after surgery, and or when I was home after surgery and, and just trying to sift through like, am I normal? Like, am I back to my old self or have things changed? You know, kind of all those things that you do in recovery. And, and sometimes I felt like my brain tumor and my brain surgery was so scary for other people Mm -hmm. that made them really uncomfortable. And I needed to reassure them when what I really wanted and what I've wanted ever since then is I've sifted through living with a, a brain injury and what that means and and the deficits that I have and, and things now is somebody to just sit in that discomfort, literally just sit there with me. Right. And, and sometimes not even say anything. Yeah. Or, or what I, what I would want to hear is this has to be so hard. Like you're doing like, I'm here with you. I don't even want to hear something like you're doing so great because I don't, I might not feel like I'm doing great. Right. You know? Would it be helpful for somebody to, to come to you and say, um, because I think, again, we have the tendency to want to cheer up the, the sad and, yeah. and depressed. Um, but what if somebody were to come up and say, what's, what's been the hardest thing that you have to deal with? Would that be oh, yeah. beneficial at all? Where you can just let it out? Yeah. But most we don't, right? Because those questions make us really uncomfortable. Yeah. Because I can't fix yeah. anything. I can't fix the problem. Yeah. And, and I think you know, as humans, it, we it, want I've to I've had fixers. that conversation with Barry, you know, where he's kind of like, I just want to make things, I want to fix it for you. And it's like, you can't. Yeah. This is just how it is, at least right now, right? I don't know if it'll change. And what I need you to do is just tell me that you're proud of me because I'm still here and I'm working really hard. Like, yeah. that would be helpful. Like, I'm really proud for certain people, Right. right. And, um, and I know I've talked to with other people like in our family and outside of our family about how important being validated in your experiences. Mm -hmm. And when we say things like, 
well, you know, it's God's will or this is everything happens for a reason. Sometimes that's really invalidating yes. to what their experience is. It, it makes it be like, well, it kind of feels like, at least for me, like, well, it shouldn't be like, this is God's will. So you should just be happy. Right. You know, instead of grieving a loss that of what you thought was going to be or how you thought life was going to be or, or whatever it is that you're, you're mourning. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's what I was, uh, where my head was going when I asked the question about how, if we make the assumption that this general idea, life is imperfect, our bodies are imperfect, our attitudes are imperfect, our character is imperfect, our mindset is imperfect, and that is God's will, that we are imperfect trying to figure out how to become perfect. To me, that idea, that mindset makes it so, um, it makes it seem so inappropriate for me to say to you or to somebody else that your specific challenge is God's will, because it, it may be true. I don't know that that specific challenge is necessarily God's will, but the fact that you have an imperfect life on your journey to perfection is, um, that's part of the plan. That's part of God's will. But I think that that's, it's an incomplete thought. Um, and again, I'm, <laughs> I'm maybe stalling because I have new thoughts that are coming to me that are, that are making this more clear for me. So I have no idea if what comes out of my mouth is going to be clear or <laughs> anything. But to me, it seems if I, if this is my idea, this is my mindset, that this, this umbrella of life is God's will. It makes it seem really inappropriate for me to say your specific momentary challenge or in the moment challenge, not necessarily momentary challenge, but in the moment challenge is God's will. That just seems wildly inappropriate for me to say that um, with the understanding that the, the whole picture is God's will. It's not just this exact moment. Um, but then well, and it also, like as you're saying this, I'm having this thought come to my mind of there's a there's a level of arrogance mm -hmm. in that statement because it wasn't God's will for me, right? I don't have to suffer that same thing as you have to suffer because so it's God's will. You mean that something hard for for me, something that's God's will quote for me is not God's will for you, and so there's an arrogance. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it kind of feels that way. Just it just as the way you're talking about it, it, it feels a little bit if that like I skirted that, right? Okay, yeah. God needed God needed you to have this really Ooh, hard thank challenge. Thank goodness. I have the I easier challenge. It, but that's God's will. <laughs> I right? just have I just have really good hair. That's my challenge that I'm faced with. <laughs> yeah, what do you do with that, right? When everyone <laughs> around you is losing their hair. <laughs> it's horrible. It's awful. And, uh, but, but the second part of that is that it's, if, if I really understand that, then it seems to me much more compassionate to, to get in the trenches with somebody, to have that experience where I mourn with somebody that mourns and that, that because I'm understanding this bigger picture, it's not, um, my responsibility to cheerlead. And buck up, little camper. It's all going to be okay. Um, 
It is, but I don't know that that's helpful to say. And, well, it is- and if you're in the trenches, it's at least my personality. It's really hard to see anything than what I'm experiencing. Right. Right. Like, and sometimes Barry has to remind me, like, it's, it won't always be this way. And I think that's a personality thing of my imperfect personality mm-hmm. that I, I do go there of whatever I'm experiencing. If it's rainy outside, it's going to be rainy forever and the sun will never shine again. And if it's sunny outside, it's going to be sunny forever. And so I'm like taken by surprise if the clouds come in and it rains. So whatever, so that's, and that's just a me thing, I think, because he's not that way. So he has a, he has a way better grasp on having a perspective of, no, it's, it's not always going to be this way. So for some, so if somebody says, well, this is God's will, it's like God, God's will isn't that I'm miserable. Yeah. Right? Or when, when, I don't know, I just tried really hard to like spend the last, I spent the last couple of years really focusing on getting comfortable with the, dis, with discomfort period, mm-hmm. whether it's people asking questions that maybe challenge some of my own beliefs and thoughts that I've carried mm-hmm. or, um, sitting with somebody who's grieving some sort of loss, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? If they're grieving, then it's a big deal to them. Right. And and just try and maybe put myself in their shoes a little bit of, yeah. you know, or and becoming more aware of, of a friend who's going through a divorce right now. And so I've become way more aware of what that process looks like and feels like at least for her in the church, mm-hmm. you know, to be a single person in the church that, yeah. which that's again, a whole nother conversation. <laughs> we, we may have to record that one next too. <laughs> we have all sorts of next ones. So what would be helpful when you're in the middle of it? You're in the middle of, and and this is an overlap into some other conversations we've had before, but, but I want to, um, because of an experience that I had last week, I want to, just um, play around with this idea that um, life is not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be smooth. Um, I think that idea is part of God's plan. And so when you're having one of those hard moments, um, I was working with a, uh, a coworker who was having one of those hard moments last week and just difficult, difficult, um, because of what was being expected, what was being asked, because of the situation that she found herself in, what would be helpful for somebody who has a different perspective that, and maybe it's the the larger perspective or the longer term perspective that it is going to be okay. It's not permanent. That it is going to blow over at some point. What would be helpful to say? Is it, is it helpful to say, I know it's hard right now, but it's not always going to be hard. I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Like, okay. I think, like, for, for my husband to say that to me, that's going to hit differently mm-hmm. than anybody else. Right. Right. Um, I want to say, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to say something first because you kind of touched on it. Mistakes are part of the plan, right? Living right. this bumpy road is actually the plan. Yeah. Right. The plan was never for us to come down and just not have mistake make mistakes or have problems and i think we forget that part we do forget that part and i was um, last year we were doing word conferences and i was watching a, a little 
girl. She was probably in that 12 to 15 month learning how to walk Mm -hmm. stage. And she'd take one or two steps and fall Mm. and then kind of look around like with this big grin on her face, look around, like, did you see that? (laughs) And then she'd get up and she'd do it again. And, And it was so like, when do we lose that? Right. When do we lose the focus on look what I did and how it shifts to look what didn't happen or right. look how I failed. You know, she was this little kid, this little kid was not focusing on the fact that they fell five times. It was, you know, that I, I made this progress and I made it all the way to here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I think it's really like, I have to remind myself regularly that mistakes are actually part of the plan and, and they should be celebrated. Like, like we celebrate a toddler learning to walk. Right. We celebrate that. We we celebrate them learning to, you know, eat, feed themselves, or even buckle themselves in their seatbelt. Mm-hmm. You know, as they're growing into you know young child. Um, but to answer your question, I think, and I'm not saying this honest truth. I'm not saying this because it's you. <laughs> but okay. I think you hit the nail on the head with chocolate cake. I think it's being seen. And when you take cake to somebody and, hey, I was just thinking about you, you've just told them that, first of all, they're part of the somebody else's world, which I think is a great reminder, especially when we're struggling with something. We kind of envelop ourselves in our own grief mm-hmm. and, and isolate ourselves, maybe not physically, but definitely emotionally. Sure. So to have somebody else see you. Um, I have having a, a particularly rough week with with brain um, injury symptoms coming off of the holidays and the chaos was is difficult. Mm-hmm. And I got a note from a friend. It was just a like, I'm thinking about you note. Yeah. Randomly out of the blue. And I about burst into tears when I got this. It was like, she has no idea. I haven't told her yet. Mm-hmm. She has no idea how meaningful that was for me and how I've kept it yeah. and looked at it several times since then. And I don't even think she wrote like a much more than I'm thinking about you love message. Mm-hmm. The card was beautiful. And just the fact that somebody was thinking about me and and maybe suspected that things were like less than ideal and mm-hmm. with, you know, whatever was going on was huge. And so I think that the times that we can let other people know that we see them or that we're thinking about them, mm-hmm. wh- whatever that looks like for you, it's, it's cake. For me, it's, it might be something else for this person. It might be sending a note in the mail. Great. We do that. I think that's more than any words that could be, like somebody sitting by me and putting their arm around and being like, it's going to be okay. I don't want to hear that because it doesn't right. feel that. It doesn't feel true. Right. Well, and what maybe about- something else does. So as we, we know people, we can know what, how to see them the best way. Because I think that um, it's going to be okay. Comes across as maybe patronizing. A little bit. Um, or but- like that I shouldn't be feeling the way I'm feeling because it's going to be okay. Right. And it is, but it is so tempting because in the moment as I'm, you know, I'm being yelled at and she wasn't yelling at me, but as I'm being yelled at, because it's such a hard moment, it's so tempting to say, yeah, I know, I know. And it's, but it's going to be okay. 
And so I'm trying to figure out what else to, to do. I think it's okay to just say, I know. And just stop with that. Yeah, I know. This, this has to be so hard. Or this is hard, right? Maybe, maybe you're in the experience with her, but it's affecting her differently. This has to be so hard. Right. Or this is so hard. Like, and just acknowledging... Because I think sometimes, especially in in Christianity in general, we we should each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you should have an eternal perspective, and you know. And I'll get there, but I'm just not there yet. So, I'm not but there I think, yet. but I think, and and to kind of complete the the thought that I had when we have this this broader perspective, um, I think sometimes, and I'll. Uh, I'll take ownership of my own thoughts that I forget that not only are mistakes and imperfections part of the will of God, but so is the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's the other half. We have imperfections. We have difficulties. We have tough things that we go through, but there's also the atonement of Jesus Christ that makes it all okay. And it doesn't, and this may be where we wrap up and we can, I, I want to continue the conversation or maybe take another tangent because we've been all over the place <laughs> on this one. <laughs> I didn't mean to but, tangent. No, no, no. It's, I think it's been, it's been a great, a great discussion, but we have the, the scripture in the book of Mormon that says that uh, there must needs be opposition in all things. And so if we take that, let's just take it literally that there's opposite opposition, that life is part good, part bad. There's difficult, there's easy, there's uh, frustrating, there's uh, enjoyable, and there's hard, imperfect, lousy parts of our life. It's our bodies are not perfect, and so we have um, eyes that don't focus the way that we want them to, and so we can't see what we want to see, or we have um, heart conditions. Yeah, that some people us. have eyes that focus the way they need to. I know, like a, Allison. She likes to <laughs> rub that in every once in a while. People who are younger than 40 have eyes that can focus. They don't need to have special glasses to be able to read text messages and things like that. Um, but life is supposed to be part not easy. And and then there's the atonement that just makes the rest of it okay. And um, that's something that, because I think sometimes if we get so hyper-focused on a moment that this is God's will, or this is supposed to happen, or there's a lesson in this, that... Um, we forget that, well, really, I think that might be somebody who's on the positive side, somebody who has the positive um, perspective or the positive understanding, trying to drag somebody who's in the moment over to the positive side. That doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't. It doesn't solve any problem. It doesn't um, create the, the experience that we need to be having. Um, and so I think that, that having that perspective, maybe that you have hard things that you have to deal with. I have hard things that I have to deal with. I'm, I'm going to just sit with you as you go through your hard things and I'm going to let you just have hard things. And I'm not going to tell you that it's okay. I'm not going to tell you that there's a, some purpose, some cosmic meaning for it. Um, but on the flip side, when I go through my hard things, you'll have the opportunity to sit with me and say, yeah, I know it sucks. Yeah. 
Because it does in that moment, even yeah. if you have an eternal perspective, even if you know it's not going to last forever, it does It does suck in that moment. Yeah. I've yet to meet a person who's like, this is amazing. I'm so happy. I'm so I'm happy, happy that, that I can't taste chocolate or whatever horrible thing that <laughs> you're Pretty much anything. Through. I know, that's terrible. I made losing your taste cool before COVID, so. Yes, you did. That's awesome. So, well, I think that um, I learned some things. So I don't care if anybody else did. I do this podcast for me. I do this so that I can have conversations and... and Always about you, Mike. <laughs> as it should be. But um, life is good sometimes, and sometimes it's not so fun. And um, sometimes we go through those moments in the, a matter of minutes or hours, <laughs> sometimes, <Right? laughs> sometimes days. But um, no, I think that, I think that's uh, been a fun conversation about where we might have uh, a better way to approach this idea that um, what was God's will or things happen for a reason and how we make things, hard things, God's will. I don't know that, yeah, I don't know that the hard things in our life are necessarily God's specific will for us. I think they just happen. And how we learn to manage those things is that's part of God's will as well. Like we don't pur purposely trip our kids just so they learn that when you fall, it hurts, Speak right? I don't believe God's going to do that to us. No, no, I don't think so. But he knows that we're going to trip. He knows that we're going to fall. And that's part of the master plan. And I think he's out there just like we would be with our own kids. Like you're so you close. Know, you can't see me, but <laughs> It's too bad you can't see what I was doing. That's right. <laughs> Holding your hands up and yeah, just encouraging and and um, being ready to help support when you do fall. Yeah. So, good conversation. Let's do it again sometime. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll talk again next week. Thank you for listening to Chocolate Cake Bites. Please like, share, subscribe, and give us a five star rating and review. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas, and you can reach out to me at ken at chocolatecakebites.com. And before you end the day, take a few minutes to consider, who do you know who needs chocolate cake? <laughs> <laughs>